find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the great robot wars. And Peter Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in free. Weekly Signals, the only weekly news commentary radio broadcast that features a dog named Molly. Weekly Signals, with Nathan Callahan and Mike Kaspar. News with a bite. Friday mornings at 8 here on KUCI 88.9 FM, radio that keeps on giving. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI.
its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, good afternoon. This is Kimberly Martin, and I am in the studio enjoying... Um, well, what's what's been a little bit of a hiatus for me. I apologize for that, but you know, um, it it gets complicated, man. Family life and whatnot, and the holidays. So I'm back. I'm excited to be here in the studio today. And I, you know, there's something about the new year. It does something to you. It makes you think about your future and what you're going to do next. How you know what what are you going to bring to the world in in the new year i don't know there's something about having all this rain washing everything clean it's perfectly timed for the new year we're so unaccustomed to this much uh let's just say external bathing in california the way we've been getting uh washing away all our sins and whatnot here in the last couple of weeks it's been really nice actually so but you know with that focus on the new year it's usually placed on the future and um I find that, uh, like I said, people looking to the future, we're going to take a little different course today and take a moment to reflect on our past here at KUCI, that is. So today we have the pleasure of interviewing the longest running KUCI DJ, Michael Rudzinski. Did I say that right, Michael? Boy, I really practiced on the way over here. <laughs> and... Um, Michael is has been with us for over 40 years, if you can believe that, and uh, such a gentle soul sitting in front of me. I'm really excited to, to bring him to you. You know, you would hear him on the airwaves, but mostly the beautiful music that he chooses for you to listen to. But for today, we get to hear a little bit about him, get to see some of his insights through his time here at UCI. He has seen lots of changes in the university. KUCI and probably radio broadcasting in general. So I thought it would be fun to check in with him while he reflects about his time here and shares insights possibly about our future that can only be carefully offered up from our past. And uh, with that 40th anniversary here for you, this is a pretty auspicious time for you here at KUCI. So thank you for coming in. Thank you for uh, inviting me on your show. Well, it's a pleasure. Real People OC we're lucky we get to talk to people about what they do in their life, their craft, and who they are. And so today we'll dig a little deeper to find out who you are uh, within KUCI, but also beyond the walls here of the studio. Now the studio and the station actually is as old as I am. And I'm not going to tell anybody how old I am. So if you want to find out how old KUCI is, you're going to have to go look that up on the internet. But if you've been here for 40 years, you can see we've been around for a really long time, haven't we? Yes, yes, we have. So, take me back to who you were in the very beginning and why. what brought you to KUCI? Well, I was an undergraduate at the university majoring in music. And uh, music wasn't as eclectic back then as that's become now in, uh, in studies and in surveys of, of, of music. Uh, it was mostly classical, and, but that was my interest. I was interested in classical, but I wasn't staunchly classical. I, I liked jazz, historical jazz, and uh, I liked classic musical theater, uh, Broadway shows, uh, mostly of the past rather than the more recent shows. But uh, I'm just... I just uh, like good music in general. How did you end up at UCI in the beginning? How old were you, and and well, where did you was come look, from? Looking for, I, well, I was born and raised in uh, Long Island City, New York, uh, which is part of New York City, and uh, it was getting dangerous to to live there after a, a while. And we wanted my whole family wanted to move, so we're looking to see what, what were good places and. Uh, Irvine was then a brand new community. It was, uh, it was just recently uh, made into a city, incorporated into a city, and we had a, f- a family friend who moved out to Irvine and said, yes, come on over, uh, move over here with your whole family. They have a brand new university too. And so I checked out uh, 
UCI, and uh, I, I liked what they had to offer, so I applied there. I don't believe I applied anywhere else, and that took a chance, but I was accepted. And so, upon acceptance, we were definitely going to move out here to, to Irvine. So, that's what attracted me to UCI. So, very interesting, because, you know... Well, New York, that's a big jump. What was life like for you to make that transition? I think that transition today would be difficult for anybody. But what was that like back then for you? It, it, it uh, certainly was uh, um, a life shaker. I mean, I, it was so w- strange to me, you know, li- because I, I grew up in what could be now termed inner city. So I was an inner city child. And... Uh, uh, to come out here in the wide open spaces, which Irvine was back then, it was totally wide open. It was more countrified than city. And uh, the thing I had to get used to was, uh, oh yes, you could make a, a right turn on a red light after you stop. You, you, you <laughs> didn't have that in New York. Not that I drove in New York. I had to la- learn how to drive when I came out here because you, do, you couldn't walk to any place. And there were the bus services weren't uh, what they've become since. So I learned how to drive and while while going to school, while uh, going to, um, in my freshman year here at UCI. And uh, I heard about KUCI from the beginning. So I, I, I kind of investigated and I thought, no, I need to focus on my classes. So then the following year, I attended what became known as the infamous uh, orientation meeting, uh, welcoming uh, uh, students returning and new students to KUCI and I call it infamous uh, I, I dare I say it because one of the DJs was there but he wasn't the one who made it infamous it was the other one um, uh, do tell yeah okay <laughs> well um, it was known as the the year of the two-headed general manager because there were two general managers here at KUCI yes uh, the, through a mix-up uh, both got selected and rather than <laughs> then de- decide, well, who really wants it more, you know, badly than the other, it's like one asked the other, do you mind if we, we, we co-ran the this, this, this station? And he said, no, go right ahead. So at that initial meeting, uh, I'll mention this, this person's name because he's still here, but you know, I'm not embarrassing him, I hope. Uh, Matt Kaplan, who still does radio here. Uh, right. Uh, he has a public affairs program. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but for many years he didn't have anything to do with KUCI so so I, I have that over him uh, in in so number of Matt years. So Matt was a general manager. He was the general manager, co-general manager. Co-general manager. He is such a gentleman. We love Matt here. Well, Matt's been yeah. my uh, co like partner. He's always been next to my show for the last five uh-huh. years. So it's been great. Well, he came utterly formal dressed in a in a business three-piece business suit with tie and everything always a professional yes his uh the other head of the two-headed general managership appeared with only two pots strategically placed on his otherwise totally exposed body (laughs) and i remember i was behind some some uh female student who said Oh my gosh, that does it. The, 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 the engagement is off. <laughs> Whether that was his fiance or, or somebody you who... Never, you never knew? I, I never found out afterwards. I was like thinking myself, because I was, I was in shock myself. Everybody was in, you know, they, they were twittering and giggling because... Wait, did you say twittering? Well, the old... <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's qualify that statement. That's brilliant. Uh, well, they, I mean, they're like giggling and... and uh, you know, trying to muffle their laughter. Some some were laughing out loud. So so this was at a staff meeting. This was at yeah. Well, it was like a, like a during what was then called orientation week, which we now call welcome week. Okay. Uh, and this was like introducing people who are new to the campus, basically. That hey, we're a radio station, and we we we, we could use use your participation. And you know, if you're ever interested in doing radio, learn from us. That sort of thing. Well, see, that's what a lot of people I don't think know enough of about KUCI is that as a college student, you have a really unique opportunity to learn the craft of radio. And back then when you had that opportunity, it was a pretty big deal, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Huge to have that have that access to be a music DJ, really. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, so I I shudder to think maybe back then you didn't get in trouble for walking around naked. It was probably the 70s at this it, it, point. It was the 70s, <laughs> yes. And uh, that was the year also uh, that uh, national streaking was, was popular uh, all across campuses. So this was a really conservative form of streaking. In a, in a sense, yes, yes. Well, I mean, he didn't go any place. He stood there in front of everybody and <laughs> and uh, apparently was not embarrassed. And didn't get in trouble. And didn't get in trouble from what I know. You know so, Interesting. But, but it kind of turned me off a little bit to KUCI. I thought, maybe I'll, I'll pursue this another time. And so for a second year in a row, I didn't uh, take it f- a step further. And then in 75, 76, I came close. I actually attended a staff meeting besides the orientation, and I got the booklet, the FCC, you know, how, how to be a, a third-class uh, radio uh, uh, license operator. But somehow, I still didn't move forward with it. And finally, my junior year, which was 76, uh, 77, I said, I'm gonna stick with this man. I want to do radio. And so I stuck with it, and back then, to take the FCC test, you had to travel up to LA. They didn't have an Orange County counterpart. Now, now you, you do it almost in your you know backyard. It's it's very close. But back then, I had to go up to LA. So I carpooled with somebody, and the poor person wound up failing the test. But I passed. But it was or too late for that quarter. So I said, I guess I'll go to winter quarter. Ah, okay. So that's why my anniversary is in winter quarter. And we have strict rules here at KUCI, don't we? <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, they, people there to make me feel welcome. Uh, a future general manager had a show right before mine, and the current general manager. I didn't have much to talk with him about back then, but when he comes, when he shows up to every KUCI reunion, uh, you know, he he remembers me, and he's so happy to see that I'm still doing radio and, and so on. But my very first show, um, uh, it was uh, Thane Tierney, who was uh, who had a show before mine, and to introduce me, he he talked about uh, the first composer I was going to uh, present, which was Bach, and he and he wanted to say Bach was a man who, but it came out I still remember Bach was a man who a man man who. <laughs> and that, that kind of you know broke the tension a little bit, but apparently my parents tape recorded portions of my show, and that tape is lost right now, unfortunately. Uh, Otherwise, I would want I'd be playing it uh, on every anniversary for your show. Anniversary, yes. But uh, you could hear my voice kind of uh, I'm shaking like like this, and, and as I'm trying to explain, you know, what people are going to be listening to, I'm thinking, come on, man, clear your throat and and calm down. It's only radio. But you know, of course, the tape recording won't won't listen to you. So, um, but on my very first show, I did Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, the three Bs, the three Bs and, of classical and, music. Yeah, I didn't know it was known that way. And then, and then, uh, two pieces by Vivaldi mm. from an album that it has since been absconded with. So no longer here at the no station. No longer here at the it station. It just disappeared. Yeah. Uh, also, the the Bach recording that I used disappeared, but we have other recordings of the Toccata and Fugue. So I decided from that point on, every anniversary show, I would just present different recordings of the same three pieces that I played, and I forgot what the Vivaldi pieces were, so instead it would be a surprise. Ah, very nice. To you and to the, to the listeners. And to the listeners. And then after a few years, I decided, you know, we need a representative of 20th century music. So I had, uh, I had Baroque, Bach, Classical Beethoven, Romantic, Brahms, 20th century, nothing. So I included Stravinsky, mm. The Rite of Spring. Okay. So these four, I'm always playing on every one of my shows, anniversary shows. And I still have time for, um, for a romantic. I still have time uh, for uh, a, a surprise. Okay, very nice. Uh, one time, I surprised, my surprise was that uh, I selected something that I thought my niece would like and my niece was only like two years old at the time so I didn't I don't think she was listening but but I said and this is for my niece <laughs> so I you know um, now when you yeah. do your show do you give a historical background of the songs oh, yes. you're gonna play oh yes okay yes and tell me as a DJ why that's important because it would uh, I would figure that it would enhance add to the listener's enjoyment if they knew the circumstances behind the piece that they're listening to. So when you say the circumstances, are you sharing perhaps what the 
what the um, composer was going through when he wrote it, his life circumstances? Sometimes, sometimes that, or just, uh, I, I'll, I'm always looking for the humorous anecdote. Okay. You know, to, to point out, hey, these composers are only human too. Right, and and this is really an, an old-fashioned way of ranting about their emotions, perhaps, or really sharing deeply what what they're experiencing personally? Uh, sometimes it is, and other times it's the total opposite. Like, you would listen to this cheerful piece of music and never would figure that during that period of time uh, the composer was undergoing tremendous hardships, uh, even tragedy, but there's no tragi- tragic moment in the piece. Interesting. Really interesting. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and we have the pleasure of having in the studio today Michael Rudzinski, and I'm practice that name, boy. That's a that's a good one. I did it right. I'm getting the thumbs up. Thank you. <laughs> and Michael Rudzinski is the longest running DJ here at KUCI, and he started in college. We have a unique program here at KUCI where a student can who's interested can come and join basically join our staff and have your own music show or talk show while you're while you're going to school here we also have community members here as well but it's it's a unique program so um so i welcome you to look into that it's easy to do you go online uh go to kuci.org and you can find your way to the information there um one other thing I wanted to promote, and I forgot to do this earlier, is that KUCI is having their first ever, um, op- they're hosting an o- open mic, their first event of the year. It's uh, coming up Friday, January 20th at 6 p.m. at the new OCDIY venue in Lake Forest. And they're looking for poets, singers, dancers, and any other talented performers. And if you want more info on that, you can go back to KUCI.org for info there as well. So, but we're... Like I said, dipping back into our past, I want to talk a little bit more about the value of bringing classical music. So, has the perception of classical music changed over time when you started in the 70s to now? And and why why would it still be relevant to our listeners? Well, obviously I'm biased towards it. Um, I, I think that uh, it, it's, it's healthy listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you have music that ranges from uh, peaceful and pastoral to uh, um, you know, uh, very aggressive and, and bombastic and all the you know, emotions in between. Um, to say that it's become more or less relevant, uh, it's hard to say uh, over the years. But just to give you an idea, when I joined KUCI, I was just one of six classical DJs. And right now, I'm the only one that devotes his entire program to classical music. So, something something doesn't sound right about that. And I try whatever I can to uh, to promote classical music to the incoming DJs, especially those who haven't decided quite what kind of a music program they want to do. So I say, why not try classical? And then they say, well, I don't know anything about classical. I says, well, that's perfect. You start from ground zero and you work your way up. Right, right, right. And so, you came here as a music student. Tell me what what transpired for that part of your life. Well, when I was growing up in New York, I would listen to the classical stations, and I would then practice by looking in the mirror and and saying like, okay, uh, you're listening to WNYC uh, in in, uh, New York, um, home of the... uh, of the Bach Marathon or something like that, you know, and I would practice using my radio voice. Um, Which you have a fabulous radio voice, by the oh, way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, people t- keep telling me that. It's like... Uh, <laughs> so you keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, well, the only time when I'm conscious that about the, the tone in my voice is when I give the station ID. For some reason, then my voice drops below and I go, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. Whoa, do that again. <laughs> You're listening to 88.9 FM, KUCI, Irvine. Perfect. I don't have to do one now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I forgot that earlier, didn't I? Uh, Maybe not. I can't remember. No, I think you, you, you Did you, I do you, it? You, you, you Sometimes do you, it. Yeah. you do these things yes. by habit and then yeah. you don't know that yeah. you've done them. But but, but I like I'm, your way better, though. Uh, Much better. Well, I'm, you know, again, uh, even, even, even that, I'm doing it, you know, without putting in too much effort or, or, or whatever. You know, I've, I've had people who practice their, their AM voice, which is, you know, shouting and 
and and and uh you know like uh if if i did it that way it'd be like you're listening to kuci in irvine you know it's like (laughs) more personality and you know pop in there yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 says well no when i give the station id it's not about me it's about kuci well so that brings me to a, a question about you know personality and branding do you take on a different persona when you're the dj here when you're sitting in the seat i'm sitting in i, I try not to i you try to be I, yourself i try to be myself i try to be like as if like i'm uh, uh, in a regular conversation with you and uh, you being the listener and i'm saying you know if if i if something uh, excited me when i first heard it then i try to bring that excitement to the mic by saying like you know, speaking of which, you got to listen to this because mm-hmm. when I heard it, I couldn't believe it, you know, or something like that. Right, right. And and so, and I tried to get the, the listener kind of excited about it too, or curious at least, you know. To have that authentic, you know, experience. That's that's something I, I try to do too. I try really hard not to talk to the person I'm going to interview before I have the interview because I want everything to be... I noticed that, yes. Really, I know, I'm sorry. No, 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 <laughs> that's okay. I kept cutting him off before. I'm like, I, no, don't I, tell the story now. We don't want to accidentally get the story when, out before. <laughs> when, 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 when I saw that, I go, oh, I know, I know what she's after. Okay, I'll, I'll back off. I'll say Well, that. what's really funny is I, I find that when I meet a person, especially bringing him into the station, I'll have the most powerful conversation with them the 10 minutes before we go on air. And I, I never get back to that place. And I don't know if that's my fault or if the person has already spilled their most authentic you know moments of the topic and so they can't they don't they don't get back to that place or they're nervous when they're sitting in the studio I'm not really sure but I'm really careful not to um, you know get the good stuff out there in the lobby I try to bring it into here so and and I don't let people speak before they get in here well, I've, I've sitting where you're sitting. I've I've had uh, people uh, who before the interview would would ask me, "What kind of questions are you going to ask me? What kind of you know?" They they just have to know. So I'll tell them some types, but then during the course of the interview, then I'll slip in uh, the question I really wanted to ask, but I didn't want to let let them you know know about it beforehand because they might get too nervous about how they're going to phrase it. Right, and, right. You uh, don't want to overthink. I'll never forget. I did interview this one woman who was a lawyer, and she had written every question and every response. Mm. And I thought that was so fascinating. And I felt really proud as as a talk show host that when we were talking, she never looked at her notes once. Yeah. And so I managed to get her to not look at the notes, but to be right there with me in conversation mm-hmm. and to be engaging. And it's not easy to do. I, I, I don't personally think the environment we're sitting in right now is, is intimidating. No, but it is for people that are new. You know, yes, yes. they hyperventilate the first few minutes, <laughs> and then they go, "Where'd all the time go?" Yes. <laughs> okay, so have you always been a music DJ, or have you ever had a talk show host or a talk show while you were here? Uh, never had a talk show. Um, I had been interviewed uh, a couple of times. Sorry, this is not your, the, my, my first oh, time I'm being interviewed. Well, that's but okay. the first time in in a long time though. But years ago, I I would I'd be on a couple of people's uh, shows and and be interviewed, um, because I had just come from like Europe or or China or Australia. Uh, I travel from time to time with youth groups, okay, performing uh, in different places, and then I tell about my my experiences. So that's what you were going to tell us about what you did with your music career. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I focused at first on on youth orchestras, and that's what got me to traveling and. Uh, I enjoy traveling. I, I've played on the stages of Carnegie Hall, the Sydney Opera House, um, the Musikverein, the, the, which is like the Carnegie Hall of Europe, which is in Vienna, the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Hall, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in L.A., and our own Segerstrom, the two Segerstrom theaters, the old Segerstrom Hall, which used to be called Orange County Performing Arts Center. Fascinating, yes. And the Renee and Henry Segerstrom Concert Hall, and Irvine Barclay. So I've been on, on quite a few stages, um, ma- mainly through uh, youth orchestras. For more locally, I've been doing it through community orchestras. So you play with the youth orchestra, or you help organize them? Um, both. Okay. Uh, well, I help organize the percussion section right. of the youth orchestra, you are a percussionist. and then and then I uh, I play al- along with them. But uh, getting back to your question, uh, I what I've done with my music uh, is turned it into a career, um, playing with all kinds of different uh, orchestras. I have played in the past with Pacific Symphony. I have played with uh, presently with Irvine Symphony, which is now called Symphony Irvine. 
um, Culver City Symphony, Peninsula Symphony, Dana Point, um, um, the La Mirada, uh, Rio Hondo, etc., 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 etc. So um, one year I counted fifteen different groups I played. played with. Now, how logistically how would that even work? Because music music is usually played during seasons. So yes, well, um, most of these orchestras are pretty good about not scheduling. Uh, once in a while, there is a scheduling conflict where you know, I have to choose, okay, which which group am I going to be playing with? I play for both. So they're mindful of all the other area. Some of them are. Um, and others symphonies. just simply have to accept whatever dates they're given by the venue. Mm. Sometimes the venue says, well, we've got this open and this open. That's it. Take your pick. And how then do you manage a career by playing for so many different ones in a season? Um, I... I, I'm in touch. What I do is, and of course, the internet makes it so much easier. I look at their schedules at the beginning of each season, and uh, then I plan accordingly. Then I go like, well, I, okay, I have. I'm going to play for this group, and next week I'm going to play for that group. So I keep a calendar, always updating that calendar every single day. Something changes, a rehearsal venue or a rehearsal time changes. Do you have to wear a tuxedo when you play? Uh, during the performance, yes. Not not during rehearsals. How many do you own? One really, you don't feel like you have to have more than one to um, no get you I, through the, a busy week. <laughs> well, the busy week, then I just simply use that same one, and you know I send it to the cleaners a little, probably a little more often than right, right. I normally would. I do have a, a, a tuxedo with tails, but none of the groups I play for want tails. They don't want tails anymore, huh? And you're mostly standing when you're playing, right? Yeah. So that yeah. would be kind of a lovely addition. That that would, but uh, they don't want tails because it's too formal looking. Yeah. For, for the tails, you have to have a, the white bow tie and right. the white everything. Right. Some groups now are going for all black. Ooh, so black shirt too? Black shirt, yes. That that eliminates the need for a black tie and a black jacket. But um, I'm, I have different thoughts about that. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm more of a stagehand if I wear all black than, than, than the musician. But, but some of these uh, conductors, they, they just they want all black, so... Very interesting. Well, okay, so given that you've played in so many of these local symphonies, can you give us a feel for the future of symphony music in our culture today? Do you see the appreciation still there in the way that it was, or is that waning, or are we able to grow that and foster that interest? What's happening? It depends on on the group. Um, some groups at- attract really good audiences, good crowds, and I can see how appreciative they are and how you know they, they want to see this thing continue. I can't I can't speak on generally you know uh, the, the value of classical music in our culture. I can tell you that in Orange County this season alone, three orchestras made their debuts. So well, that's that's a good sign. That's a, that's a very good sign. That has not happened in quite a while. Usually, uh, uh, I feel fortunate if one uh, orchestra makes its debut, and this time three, uh, one of which is continuing its season. They're now heading into their third concert. Uh, another one, there's no talk about what when the next concert is going to be, and the third one is going to happen on my anniversary date, this Saturday, when St. Luke Chamber Orchestra is making its first appearance. Are you playing at that new orchestra? Uh, yes, I am. You are. And so, what would be the reason for a new orchestra to come into being? Is there because somebody wants to have their own orchestra and so, become a new profit entity? or uh, Somebody uh, may want to, somebody, uh, let's say an instrumentalist, uh, just takes a conducting seminar and afterwards feels like, okay, well, I guess the next step is to have my own orchestra. So they, they asked many people that they've worked with over the, over the seasons, you know, would you like to be in, uh, in my orchestra? And and then pulling... Of course, everyone says yes, because yes, yes. <laughs> you don't want to miss out on the next big thing. Well, the, uh, the, the, the first orchestra to make its appearance this season for the first time is uh, called OC of OC, or Orchestra Collective of Orange County. But Love the name. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, they formed because they were... We, they were all part of uh, another orchestra, and there were problems with that. Okay. So basically, they just 
up and left. It's a little bit like starting a new church because you didn't agree with the pastor, right? Right, right. <laughs> okay. So they followed the conductor who said he was leaving. And uh, they said, like, you know, you should form your own orchestra. So he did. And like I said, they're heading into their third concert next month. But you find there's enough patrons that are coming to these to make them viable and lasting. In some cases, yes. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say the same for Irvine. Irvine doesn't seem to you know, want to support its own orchestra because I've seen these audiences. They are kind of very, very thin uh, for, for the Symphony Irvine uh, concerts. But Symphony Irvine itself does well in other locations. Oh, very Laguna interesting. Laguna Niguel, right. uh, Bellflower, North, uh, uh, Norwalk. There, the crowds are quite sizable. So they're then they're traveling a great deal. They're not just playing to their local Right. Bands. Some of these are, yes. Okay. Well, now you had queued up a piece of music, and I wanted to play a part of that. Um, do, your, do your thing for us here on my show. Tell me what you would do if you were over here in the hot seat where I'm at. Uh, DJing and tell me tell me what you would be doing well I'd be uh, like introducing this 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 piece by the way the, the piece is um, uh, what I'm going to start my anniversary show with is it on turntable one or two uh, two okay I've never um, used this button before you guys know how I am with buttons <laughs> and I, I would just say um, well you know as with every anniversary show uh, I'm, I'm going to start with the Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Bach he originally wrote this for organ and in this particular instance I have the organ version queued up but on my actual show this Saturday I will have a piano version of it oh very good which I've never played before so so now if I push that button it's going to start ordinarily it would but but that's not it's not connected you have to lean over okay and 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 and, and press that the big button the right big here the big button right there okay so, All right, and I'm going to just go ahead and do it now um yes you can yeah so Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Bach E Power Biggs is at the organ very nice
I would oh I thought I pushed that button thank you I um I was I would listen to it when I'd clean house and I found it incredibly motivating <laughs> I always thought it was so funny that people said they relaxed to classical music because there are so many um so many of the musical numbers that are not relaxing they're pretty pretty motivational they, they are yes but uh some do relax. Of course, there, some music is relaxing, and, and others you, you uh, inspire you. Uh, well, so with that said, talk to me a little bit about your show titles. You have had a number of show titles through the years. Have you always played during the t- same time slot? No, no. I started out on a Friday morning, July 14th, July, January 14th, 1977, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., my show, which I, I didn't even bother giving a title on my very first uh, broadcast, but my my second one, I introduced it as Classical Potpourri because it was just a little bit of everything having to do with classical music. And then um, I thought I, I like a little more structure, uh, a little more of a, th- a theme-based uh, show. So one time uh, I, I went to borrow tapes from the uh, uh, Fine Arts School uh, which at that time was called School of Fine Arts. It wasn't uh, Claire, Claire Trevor hadn't come into the scene at that on. time, <laughs> and uh, and so and and since these took place in the Village Theater, I called them uh, um, Village Concerts, and I did, I played those. But then a- after a while, I thought I want to go back to vinyl, so I went back to vinyl, and uh, I had different show titles. The um, Americana was my favorite because it was all about American classical music. I came on in 1977. The Bicentennial was 1976. On, on the classical stations, you heard nothing but uh, shows devoted to American classical music. But as soon as the Bicentennial was over, those shows disappeared. I said, nobody's celebrating American classical music anymore. Looks like it's up to me. And I went ahead and, and uh, scheduled. That ran for a good number of years. Uh, I'm a huge Gershwin fan. So for two solid years, I had something called Gershwin Fest. Nothing but Gershwin's music. Nice. And it, that was around the time of his centennial, the, of his birth. So, um, and then uh, other show titles. Uh, well, right now, of course, it's concert preview anniversaries, a, a double title. Because originally, anniversaries was a portion of my concert preview where I said, and uh, now we come to the part of my show where we uh, say happy birthday to Igor Stravinsky or, or Ludwig van Beethoven. But then I thought, well, at times there was nothing but anniversaries to discuss. So I, so I said, well, then that title should be on an equal level with concert preview. So, uh, and that's the way it's been. I went from Friday to, to Thursday to um, Tuesday, uh, I had a series of Sunday specials for a while, and then finally uh, I moved to Saturdays from noon to 3 p.m., and then I got bumped up to 9 to noon, which I didn't want because uh, I couldn't sleep in. You're not an early riser. No, no, but uh, since then I've gotten used to it, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Wait, so now you're still 9 to noon? No, right now oh. it's 10 to noon because we have so many people Wait, wanting to, to have their own shows that I had to make room for it. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll give up one of my hours. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had to do that on our schedule as well. It is uh, not easy for sure to fit everybody in that wants to be here, but we do our best because we, true to our mission, we really want we want to put as many people on the air as we can. Yes. Nice. So, okay, I, I love hearing that you've had to evolve, probably to keep your interest just as mm-hmm. much as your listeners. Do you have any way of knowing if your listeners are following you when you move around the schedule? Oh, yes. Um, I have this uh, sweet elderly lady who's blind, <laughs> and uh, and she listens. She always calls me on my anniversary shows. Uh, to say that uh, she, she's listening uh, very, you know, as regularly as she can. Uh, the moment I hear her voice, she doesn't have to say her name. I said, uh, oh, hi, Toby. How, how's it going? But uh, so I imagine Toby will be calling me on, on my big How anniversary. How lovely, Toby. Big shout out to Toby for being probably one of our longest listeners then, right? Most, certainly one of our most faithful, loyal listeners. Faithful and loyal listeners. I love that. Okay, well, so one of the things that we put on our little discussion paper here is some of the things going on when you started. So okay. we, we started out by reflecting, but some of these things are fun. Let's go back in the in the climate with which you started here. At okay, let me see. If, uh, you need me to maybe, pass maybe them maybe to, I, to, to, to 
jog my memory here. When I did my first show, Gerald Ford was president of the United States for one more week. Does that make you old? <laughs> quite, quite old. I, I will have now gone through eight presidents, including the one about to be inaugurated. Oh, my goodness. Eight presidents. And I, one day I'll, I'll say I've outlasted eight presidents. That's awesome. Um, Jerry Brown was governor of California. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. Separate terms. Separate yes, terms. First time. First, first time. time first time. And someone named Bill Vardulis just started serving his term as Irvine mayor. Uh, he's, he is on, a, on their wall of fame. Uh, I, I checked it out, but uh, you know it's a name that people these days like. Who? What? You say, you say Larry Agrin, and people will look. Oh yes, because right. he, he's been in Irvine politics forever. But Bill Vardulis kind of got out of the political uh, spectrum once he served his term as mayor. Einstein on the beach, Philip Glass opera, was shaking up the modern classical world. I, I still remember that. Nice. Um, um, Scott Joplin was uh, uh, listed under jazz. I'm thinking, no, he's not. He's classical. I was ahead of my time. He's now generally recognized as a classical composer. Interesting, so yes. So I've, I've been vindicated. KUCI was not where it is right now. It was We were not in a trailer. We were on the third floor of Gateway Commons when it was a, an eatery rather than a study hall. Are we in a trailer? We were in a trailer now, yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And the trailer's been in a we, couple of spots. We've done such a good job of not looking like a trailer. <laughs> yes. But I have to say, I do miss those days when we were on the third floor of Gateway Commons. You do, do you? Yes. We, we had, I felt we had a little more space. They say there's more space here, but I just felt there was more space. So I have a question. You know, here at KUCI, we are sent music all the time in hopes that we'll play it on the air for mm-hmm. our listeners. Uh, new music, all different types of genres. What? How do you come by your music? And are you a big reason why we have the collection of classical music that we have here today? Uh, to answer your last question first, yes. You, I, are I, you I, the I only reason, maybe? Well, I donated uh, huge portions, plus people know who know I do radio say, well, I'm getting rid of my, my vinyl. <gasps> and so I said, well, don't, really? don't thrash it. Uh, give it to me. So... I, I still have a huge portion sitting in, in a storage room in 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 my uh, in in my uh, home because uh, I, there's no room for me to really use it and I want to bring it here but there's no room anymore for for us to have it so we are loaded to the brim for sure but even so if we just had more classical DJs then there'll be usage of it but since I I'm the only one and a, and another one uh, devotes a small portion of his show to classical and otherwise it just nobody nobody plays classical here are so. you putting any of it um you know on digital so that it can be stored more easily for you when you do your music shows uh you I'm, play I'm, it all from I'm vinyl uh, i played all from vinyl you're I'm old school man very I, i'm embarrassed <laughs> to say i am a dinosaur from the 20th century i mean i did not mean to call you out here on the air it was not I my mean, intention i still have the old oh, no. flip, flip phone I That's have how. To, you should not have admitted that my mother just told me my mother is almost 70 and she says i have no patience for people with flip phones and i go what do you mean i go that sounds like a really really strong bias and she goes they're just not moving in you know they're not moving with technology and that's just ridiculous it says a lot but i didn't i definitely didn't want to call you out because um because that's what I think is so unique about the station is that we can play music from just about anything, probably mm-hmm. just not eight track tapes right now. <laughs> I think I think if we had to, we could pull out a uh, a um, an old player, but it wasn't a popular enough, you know, uh, season, if you will, in in uh, technology we, for us to even bother acknowledging it. But do do we have the reel to reel tapes anymore? I don't see it that's, here. That's what I had to do in my in my first shows. Is that I did a public affairs program called Radio Moscow. Oh, wow. and that was all on reel to reel tape, and sometimes the, that that tape would would like break, <laughs> and I'm thinking like, well, what can I do to to fill up the time? But uh, and what did you do? Um, I just I. Doing live radio, you learn how to improvise. Many, so did you talk times. a lot through the problems? Uh, yes. I generally you know, talk because I, I know I can rely on my voice uh, more than I can rely on machines. But, uh, but you know, and then again, in the beginning, I'll be mortified if, if a mistake happened, like something's not coming out over the air. And I still, get, I still get that way privately. I go like, 
why am I not hearing anything? But once I get on the on the mic, I go like, well, that's what you get for listening to live radio. Right, right. Well, and that's like the biggest taboo here is dead air. But I think I just made some even during your show. I'm so sorry. I will go back and try to edit that out. But, um, but isn't that funny that no matter what, you still have the foibles of being human right here at your fingertips when you're on, yes. on live radio, which I actually think is probably good for society to see some of that. You know, you want to, mm-hmm. you want people to see what it's like to be human in front of you because mm-hmm. <clears throat> we've gotten so good at editing out the foibles of mankind that we don't really, you know, understand it when people aren't perfect. Yes, yes. Not so good. Well, what do you think, like looking forward, if you were to take some lessons from the past, tell me a little bit about what you what you think for the genre of music that you play and how important it might be in the future. Well, I, 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 I still want to believe that classical music is important to, to a segment of the population. You know, they may not be at the majority. So not everybody? You don't think everybody could benefit from this? I mean... Oh, I think everybody could benefit, but whether they want to benefit is, is another matter. Right. Whether they want to bother to listen to it or not is, right. is something else. But but I still I think the benefits are, are, are great and... And you know, I, I hear I hear that from people in in audiences coming to to the classical concerts. They they go like, well, I came because they were, I, I heard they were going to do Star Wars, you know, and that's my favorite. But uh, your 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 classical pieces uh, were were more fascinating to me. You know, they were surprised that they got to like real classical music. Well, so you've devoted your career to working with young people. These yes. are young performers, right? Yes. Okay. Does that give you any hope that classical music will go on? Because I hope so. I mean, you know, if they if they don't become uh, professional musicians like like I am, then they uh, hopefully they they'll be part of the new audience. You know, mm. that'll be coming to see and support this kind of music. Right, right. And and plus, if I wasn't doing classical music here, uh, you know, like I said, it would it would. Classical music wouldn't wouldn't exist at KUCI. I'm I'm sorry well, to say. Well, not only at KUCI, but other radio stations as well. well. Other radio stations really don't have classical music, uh, except for one in Los Angeles, that shall go nameless. Uh, but <laughs> they, um, but you know, once upon a time, Los Angeles had two uh, class, classical uh, stations, and one went on high well, it was high definition radio signals, so you really can't get it on an ordinary radio, and apparently. You can't get it uh, online either. Um, I'm proud that KUCI can be gotten online, and that's how most people do get us. They get it via podcast from yeah. you when you're done. Yeah, interesting. That's nice. But uh, very cool. I, well, I just wanted to run down here if I if I if I had the chance to, you know. Please. Um, I once did a 10 hour show that was celebrating my 30th anniversary, and after after it was over, my my my, my fatal, fatal words at the end were. Never again. You didn't like that uh, it, too it, much. It, it, it took way too much out of me. Way too much, and in, uh, I was like drained. I thought I, I would, I could make it easily, but I, I kept looking at the clock, especially in the last couple hours. So, another time, I wanted to. I never did a, a full week, so I said I want to do so, at least an hour every day for a solid week leading into my anniversary. So I did that for I think it was my twentieth anniversary. Oh, very nice. That's a nice way to do it. And then uh, uh, another time, um, I well, I'll never forget the time when I came up to the to, to the station, and um, this was my first year, and the DJ ahead of me uh, got into a rant. Uh oh. Um, he, he from the window he could see that the campus police came and and was ticketing his illegally parked car, so he was like shame, shout, shame on the police, right? Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> that basically he was saying that he was like like cursing them out over the air. Next thing he no. gets he gets a phone call from the general manager who just happened to listen to that rant, and he says, "You stay there. We're coming right over." And it was like right about the time when he would leave. When I came up there, the place was empty. There was yeah. no one at the mic, and the turntables were running, but but with no records on them. So I, I just slipped in b- behind the mic, and I said, "Well, we apologize for that dead air. Uh, we're going to try and make up for it over the next several minutes, as I try to adjust myself here and calm everybody down with some classical music." And then and then I looked out the window, and I could see that the general manager cornered the guy before he had a chance to escape, and fired him on the spot. So oh yeah. We, we had a, a DJ who followed my show, 
who came one day, uh, he, somebody ticked him off. So he came back with a baseball bat saying, nobody mess with me. Uh-oh. Well, you can imagine what happened to him afterwards. Yeah, we have a no tolerance policy here. Right, don't we? right. <laughs> Actually, so, we're pretty laid back. It's a pretty eclectic group of people. and It is. And people just all seem to get along here really well. It's kind of a nice environment for... For seeing, you know, it's like a good sociological experiment here, you know, mm-hmm. that music really binds people in a unique way. And that's that's kind of fun, fun environment. Um, one of the things I thought you could probably comment on, because we're drawing down on our time, mm-hmm. was the different opera houses and the, um, the performing arts centers. Talk to me a little bit about those and what it's like to play in different environments and what that means to a musician. My uh, my one of my favorite memories was when we went uh, went to the, with the youth orchestra to Carnegie Hall, and we got into Carnegie Hall through the back way, so it looked like like half dungeon. It was dirty. It was terrible. I said, "This is the great Carnegie Hall." No, no, this is the back area. So, but it, I was very disappointed till it was our turn to go out on stage for our warm-up. And we went on stage, the first thing that happens is to you is the orange color hits you in your eyes. And you go like, whoa. And then, then you look around the place, go like, and Carnegie Hall begins to impress me very, very much. And then when we start playing, you could hear the wonderful acoustics coming back at you. It's like, it's noted for its acoustics. It has like, you know, a second to none. And those seats, I describe the seats, especially the balconies, as if it was trying to embrace you from, from out there. And finally, after our warm-up was done, but before we got a chance to perform, I quickly got up on the podium so I can then brag to everybody I meet, I was on the same podium as Tchaikovsky when he helped open Carnegie Hall awesome. all those years ago. <laughs> so, Sydney Opera House. Strange architecture, but wonderful. So strange. <laughs> but but wonderful hall inside, and the fact that we got to play on the main stage because they had two other stages that were smaller, and they could have put us in one of those. But no, we got you got the main. Stage. I got the main stage. I couldn't believe how many stages they had within that. Oh yeah, they did. Well, Carnegie Hall itself now has three stages, uh, one for you know short recitals and 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 stuff like that. And um, what about our own local? Can you uh, comment on the difference of playing at the Performing Arts Center versus the new concert hall and what some of the advantages might be to the new concert hall? Um, the new concert hall, I, I well, both halls have excellent acoustics. I like the older hall personally better myself. It looks a little more traditional. The, the, the new concert hall it has no curtains and it allows the audience, part of the audience, to be in back of the stage. So you see behind... So you're looking right at the face of the conductor, but you're seeing uh, everyone's back of their heads. And that is I, interesting. I, and I, I, I don't care for that too much. Uh, I like the Irvine Barclay. It's nice and warm feeling, very warm, very warm colors. Uh-huh. Um, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion is huge. And yes, there are chandeliers uh, hanging from the roof. So it's... Uh, um, I just... I mean, music for Ryan. I'm, I'm sorry to leave that out. Musikverein is like the top of the line. Yes. It, it is. This is where, where Brahms and, and Wagner conducted, but I didn't get a chance to stand on the podium there. Uh, of course not. They probably were strict. Okay, well, so we're drawing down on our time. Tell us about your anniversary show coming up really quickly. When and where? Okay, well, it's going to be kind of in my usual slot, which is 10 a.m. to noon, only... I've expanded to four hours, so it'll start at 8 a.m. and go till noon. And the 8 a.m. portion is the actual anniversary portion. So I'm going to play my, my three Bs and Stravinsky and a, a couple of surprises. Very cool. All and, right. And then I have, an, I have an, a, a, a person I'm going to interview, the conductor of that new orchestra. So um, it's going to be a very busy, busy program. Well, we can't wait to to present it to our listeners. Uh, Michael Rodzinski, thank you so much for popping in and telling us all about who you are and the great music that you've been bringing to us for for 40 years. Congratulations. Well, it's, uh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you again for, for having me here on your show. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Okay, so we're going to go fade out with some of the music that he's playing. Oh, actually, tell us really quickly what we're going to hear next. Um, we're going to hear the second half of the Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Bach. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you and so much. S- and, and see you all on Saturday morning. Absolutely. Saturday. Saturday.